Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Jim Hill, and Drew Taylor and I are recording this week's show on Monday, November 28, 2022. The big news this week is Strange World and how it, it stumbled to the box office. The big news is the small news, Jim, in terms of how small the weekend gross not even mm-hmm. just weekend, the Thanksgiving holiday gross for Strange World really was. The number I've got here is actually still an estimate because they're still waiting on the, the final numbers, but it's $18.6 million in North American ticket, ticket sales over the five-day long Thanksgiving weekend. And given that this film was projected to pull in 30 to 40 million, that's half, right? It's bad, Jim. It's not great. All right. Well, well, Drew and I will talk at length about this on the second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of this show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so other news this week, we got a brand new, you can't really call it a logo, right, for DreamWorks. It's a a new animated opening for the DreamWorks animated films. Yeah, I would call it an animated logo. It's like the Marvel, what is the Marvel logo is a logo, right, even though it's animated and... Okay, if we're going to use that as the art stick, yes, it's it's the logo. (laughs) But it's a pretty elaborate logo and also seems to be a mission statement going forward. I mean, it starts with the boy with the fishing pole sitting in the crescent moon. Only in this version, he stands up and then basically begins snowboarding with the crescent moon shape. And he zooms by the bad guys who are are in a car and, and toothless from How to Train Your Dragon flies by. Then a cloud appears with Poe from the Kung Fu Panda films, along with Boss Baby. Then the boy on the crescent moon high-fives Poppy from the Trolls movie. And finally, before assuming his position up in the sky, he waves hello to Fiona, Shrek, and Donkey. What's been kind of intriguing ever since Universal bought DreamWorks back in April of 2016 for $3.8 We've been hearing about Chris Melandri from uh, Illuminations now writing her in the DreamWorks films, them, them sort of focusing in on the core franchises. And this sort of puts the core franchises right in the front window, doesn't it? Well, the mission statement of DreamWorks going forward is going to be a little bit broader. As far okay. as I know, they're doing sort of one franchise movie and one original a year. And the originals really? obviously are supposed to generate franchises mm-hmm. the the original for next year i don't think has been announced yet but it sounds really great and there's obviously another trolls is the 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 franchise movie obviously we have puss in boots the last wish which is coming out december 21st after that i mean for example yeah we have trolls 3 coming out next year on november 17th and that got announced last year on november 22nd and then we have the Kung Fu Panda 4, which is coming out on March 8th, 2024, and that got announced August 12th of this year. And I found info out there about other sequels. We know about the Bad Guys Holiday Heist thing coming in 2023, and I think you've referred to the fact that DreamWorks definitely has plans for the bad guys. And likewise, they're being very unsubtle about the return of Shrek, but... 
I also found something to the effect of a, a Boss Babies 3. Oh, that would not surprise me. I have not heard about Boss Baby 3. But you've heard, again, it's franchise film, new film. Franchise film, new film. Yeah, so there is a movie in between now and Trolls, I believe, mm-hmm. and then there's a movie in between Trolls and and Kung Fu Panda. So, And, and some really interesting stuff is being developed over there for, on the original side. And you know what? The sequels are great, too, because we're going to talk about Puss in Boots. Mm-hmm. Either now or later. I don't, when are we talking about Puss in Boots, Jim? Are we talking about I it right think now? we're actually going to be talking about it on the show we're recording for next week. Okay. Okay. I will say that it is great. It is absolutely oh. one of the best animated movies of the year. That's nice to hear. Okay. Speaking of, of DreamWorks-related stuff, did you see this news coming out of uh, Universal Studios Florida about them shutting down, what is it, Fievel's Playland, Woody Woodpecker's Nuthouse Coaster, the Curious George Goes to Town Water Play Area, DreamWorks Destinations, it's sort of a glorified meet and greet, and then the, the actual Shrek and Donkey's meet and greet over there. I didn't see that, although now that you say Curious George Goes to Town, after watching mm-hmm. Nope, Jim, I think that has a completely <laughs> different meaning of Curious George Goes to Town. <laughs> But anyway, another Universal oh. property. They could just redo it, Jim. They could just, you know, could be a Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just thinking that somewhere out there that there's a really mean programmer at a, a theater. Somebody's going to do a double feature of the Curious curious George and Face Off. <laughs> and a triple bill with Nope. Anyway, um, okay. All of these attractions closed down. This is... If you, if you remember this park, there's the Animal Actors Show and there's the E.T. Show. And this these are all of the family-friendly attractions that are sort of crammed into that same area. But they all close on January 15, 2023. And very strong rumors about a new DreamWorks-themed land being put into this section of the park with a couple of different rides keying off of different DreamWorks franchises. And this comes on the heels of the new Minions Villain Con attraction, which is being loaded into the old Shrek 4D theater. And so that area of the production central at uh, Universal Studios Florida will basically become a Illuminations mini land. I would love to see that. I'm just happy that all the animal actors get to retire in peace, Jim. I mean, that (laughs) Falcon from 310 to Yuma... As our friend Carly Wiesel pointed out, excellent actor, but mm. needs to, you know, they need a, they need a break. They need this to enjoy their sunset years away from <sighs> tourists screaming yeah. at them. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's the animal actors on the West Coast that's closing? Correct. On the upper lot. And isn't there some sort of special effects show that's also, I mean, this is... Where the Fast and the Furious coaster that leaked, you know, early this year, that this is where that's supposed to go, right? Yeah, that's the load area for the Fast and Furious coaster. Supposedly, Jim. Who's to say? Suppo- what we there know. we go. Yeah. Allegedly, reportedly, supposedly. Yes. Our, our good, close, personal friends. Okay. But it'll be interesting because that's the theater that they use for the Jabberwockies every year for uh, Halloween Horror Nights. So I'm I'm interested to see what that where they'll do that or if they'll repurpose Mm. something else or or what interesting to see speaking of interesting to see you had said such nice things about mickey story of a mouse that i made a point this weekend to sit down and watch that on disney plus and i actually love the fact that this is 
built around basically Eric uh, Goldberg, uh, Mark Hen, and Randy Haycock animating, you know, a new, well, you can't call it a short. I mean, it really is too short for a short, but sort of a, a birthday tribute to Mickey. But I remember you, you being surprised at how much stuff was in this and what they touched on. And I, I have to concur. I think they did a great job with this one. Yeah, it's a really fun documentary. I do. I wish that short was longer because it, it it's really cool what they kind of tease, which is the kind of into the Spider-Verse um, Mickey Mouse world. But we don't yeah. really get to see that. And some no. of my favorite Mickey eras were left out. But um, yeah. All true. Yeah. All true. But, but on the other hand, it was just, it was honestly such a joy to see those guys pushing pencils around, you know, just sort of like, yay, hand-drawn at Disney. On the other hand, we also have a, a new CG from Disney, uh, actually coming out on Disney Plus, uh, tail end of this week. We have Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules, and this is directed by Luke Coram McCann and uh, written and produced by Jeff Kinney. But who did voice work for this thing? But Edward Asner who, again, we lost last year on August 29th. And I was over at IMDB just to see, oh, well, so is this the last time we'll hear from Ed? And it's like, not even close. He's got five more projects coming out through 2023. I want to say two on-camera performances and then three voice things. And while we're mentioning Edward Asner, the Ed Asner Family Foundation, I think last year we, we talked up the It's a Wonderful Life table read that they do. Yes. And they're doing it again this year. And Brendan Fraser, he's going to be doing the voice of George Bailey for this thing. So it's a lot of really talented people. And in this case, uh, this year's edition, it's Seth Rogen, it's Fred Amison, it's Gene Smart, Ken Young, uh, even Brett Spiner from the Star Trek is going to be taking part of this thing. Also going to be hosted by Tom Bergeron. And the money goes to a really good cause, folks. It's the Ed Asner Foundation. It benefits children with autism. This is December 11th. It's going to run from 5 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. And for $29.99, the family can gather around and listen to this amazing table read. Anyway, speaking of of, of holiday-related stuff, Drew, we have not talked about uh, how you spent your Thanksgiving and... You were out at, at, in Palm Springs, weren't you? Or? I was, I was. I It was a great crossover event, Jim. I mm-hmm. got to see Len from mm-hmm. the Disney Dish. We hung out and had lunch. It, it was great. And uh, yeah, just did a lot of nothing, which is okay. really the best vacation you can ask for these days. Okay. So what are, uh, do, do they do much by way of holiday decorations out in Palm Springs? I mean, the last time I was out there, they had the giant Marilyn Monroe statue uh, doing the seven-year itch pose, you know, her on the the subway crate. Then you must have been out here recently because that's a pretty recent statue. Yeah, it was, uh, I want to say, two years ago, three years ago. But what are the holidays like in, in Palm Springs? Well, they, were, they weren't they were totally going crazy because it was still pretty early. Um, mm-hmm. But there was one house that had, Chris, had giant palm trees out front and Christmas lights all the way up the trunk of this tree. And I was just trying to figure out how they did it. Did they rent a crane? 
Did they equip some kind of, you know, chimpanzee with uh, with an electrician's degree up there? I, I don't know how they did it, but it was it was pretty amazing to see. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting there will be more of that and a lot of, I'm sure, throwbacky kind of uh, stuff, because, as you know, Jim, Palm Springs is the mid-century, one of the mid-century capitals of the world with probably Wildwood in New Jersey. But um, yeah, there you go. There we go. Oh, uh, speaking of Christmas-related stuff, Freeform is beginning its 25 Days of Christmas programming event this week. They have a lot of animation. Friday the 2nd, they have Disney's uh, A Christmas Carol, the Robert Zemeckis project with Jim Carrey. And then on December 3rd, they have both of the Mickey uh, Once Upon a Christmas and Mickey Twice Upon a Christmas. I have not understood why this went on, but for a couple of years now, Freeform would show the original Santa Claus movie, the the one from 94, and then they would show the Santa Claus 3, uh, Escape Clause from 2003, but they would deliberately step over the Santa Claus 2. Is there something that I have missed about the Santa Claus 2, because just this year, now that they're bringing it back, and I, I have to assume that's on the heels of the Santa Clauses uh, limited series over Disney+, Plus. that now it's okay to show Santa Claus 2 again? I have no idea. I have no idea why they did that, Jim. I've never actually seen 2 or 3, and I have not watched the new show, so... Okay. I am okay. blissfully unaware of any hot-button topics that were... All right. I remember they had the hit film in 94 and it took Disney eight years to come up with a a script that they liked for the sequel to the Santa Claus. And they just went through through the labored development and finally settled on this idea that clearly nobody liked because, again, up until recently, they wouldn't run it. Well, do you remember watching the trailer for the second movie where it was called The Mrs. Claus? No, there was a trailer that ran. It was a very, it was a very, and the only reason I know this is because it played all the time in the local theater in Connecticut. But it was mm. Tim Allen with a snow globe and the whole thing, and it was actually called the Mrs. Mm. Claus, which ended up being the name of the third one. Mm-hmm. And it was very weird that they changed it so last minute. But yeah, you you can still see that version of the trailer online. So yeah, oh, maybe 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 two was just not anybody's favorite to make or something, but yeah. Okay, okay, all right. We'll, we'll drill down. We'll find something else, and and then if we jump ahead to Sunday, December fourth, we have Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. And did we talk about the information that that Henry Selick shared about a month back, in the middle of you know all of the press he was doing for Wendell and Wild about? How the name of Nightmare Before Christmas changed three months before it was released? Four months? Yeah, it was basically just Henry sort of taking umbrage at the Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas name mm-hmm. and that he was not told about it and, and that it kind of threw him off and that everyone thinks that Tim Burton directed the movie when it was really directed mm-hmm. by Henry. But as we know, that movie went through many changes right before release. It went from being a Disney movie to being a Touchstone movie and is now back to being a Disney movie. And since we're, we're telling folk things that I'm hoping they're marking on their calendar, FedEx just rolled up the driveway and heaved out my copy 
of the Van Eden Galleries presents Exploring the Disney Universe, the catalog for their latest auction. And uh, folks, this thing is a phone book. It's 436 pages. And by the way, the, the event, in fact, Drew, you were just talking about how that they have a, a, a relatively brand new space in uh, Studio City, right? Yeah, right on the main drag in Ventura. On Ventura, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, right across the street from Nova's Vet, actually, Jim, which oh, is how well. I saw it the other day. And yeah, it looks great. It was a former Pier 1, uh, so mm-hmm. huge space. And I guess this will be their inaugural exhibit there, their inaugural auction. Yeah, the previews are going on now through uh, December 2nd, but the auction, which will be held in person and online, is December 3rd through the 4th, uh, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And I have to tell you, there are some wonderful pieces of classic hand-drawn animation here. Some wonderful cells. I've just got the uh, this cracked open, for example, to page 90. And all of these amazing images, both of finished cells and production drawings from Sleeping Beauty... Oh, I wish I'd been able to make it out for the preview of this. this. This just looks like it has some stunning, stunning stuff. But if you have fairly deep pockets and you want to get something really special for, for your, the Disney fan on your list this year, uh, maybe consider checking out the uh, Exploring the Disney Universe auction. What about this Park Hopper co- how, walk around character costume, Jim? What page is that on? Uh, 393. The Park Hopper walk-around character. Hi! That's a little disturbing. Also disturbing is that you can buy a goofy character head. I have many questions when I look at that. First of all, don't you have to go buy security on your way out of the park at the end of the day? And it's like, you know, if you had a giant goofy-headed shaped bulge under your coat, wouldn't, wouldn't they ask questions? Listen, Jim, you know, you, you throw the guy a couple of bucks, he looks the yeah. other way, what do you want me to tell you, okay? Okay, there's your advice, uh, the Disney cast members, you know, to bribe the people at security and take home the heads. All right, on that note, folks, we're going to take a quick break here, but when we return, we are going to talk about what went on with Strange Worlds. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. There's an anniversary coming up this week. And you have one of the more amazing Disney film collections. Did you ever manage to get your hands on a copy of So Dear to My Heart? No, I never did. I... I don't know if I've ever seen well I must have seen so dear to my heart but it's it's just so hard to find these days and I'm not really sure why do you have any insight it was released in 86 on home video re-released in 92 then was made part of the Disney masterpiece collection in 94 but again it never had huge sales and so there was discussion of a DVD release of it as part of the the Disney Gold Classic collection but that got canceled. And it was released in the U.S. in July of 2008 as a Disney Movie Club exclusive. Yes. And that was it. That's the only time that this has come out. But it's just, it's one of these weird little films that is of such historic importance for Disney because this is the film that inspired Walt to create have you ever heard of the Disneylandia thing, the, the traveling exhibit of miniatures that he was going to do around the country? No, I don't think. I mean, I, I'm i sure it was at the museum, but no. If you go to the One Man's Dream exhibit at Disney's Hollywood studio, they actually have the Granny Kincaid's Cabin. It's this miniature that Walt himself built and and granny kincaid was the character that beulah bondi played in the so dear to my heart film which was released in november of 48 and so walt makes this actually brings beulah back to the studio long after the films are made to to read this two minute long narration and the notion was that okay i built one of these I will build 18 more of them, and then I will send these things out on a tour of the country. And, I, I mean, this really got far along, Drew. In January 51, Walt actually, you know, contacted a specialist who, who created showcases, you know, literally with the idea to put these miniatures in so the, the public could, they could view them, but they couldn't touch them. And March of that same year, 1951, Walt turns a hairy title and ask him to set up, you know, look into the logistics of what it would take to send a set of Disney-sponsored miniatures out into the world. And somewhere along the line, Walt changes his mind. He's like, no, no, I'm going to use these as part of that Mickey Mouse park I'm going to build across the street. And if you look into the materials that he put together to show the Burbank City Council uh, in March of 52. Again, it's describing Grandma Kincaid or Granny Kincaid's cabin. But uh, seriously, if you're ever at Disney Hollywood Studios, because uh, I know that one the One Man's Dream exhibit isn't, I don't want to say it's not long for this world, but they are talking about within the next year or so doing a refresh. I mean, face it, we're about to have the Disney 100 celebration kickoff in 2023, and it just, there's been a lot of stuff in there for a long time, and frankly, 
if you're doing the 100-year history of the Disney Company, you, know, you need to update that. So a number of these exhibits will, will probably disappear out of that. So you want to take a look at Granny Kincaid's uh, next time you're at the studio, swing on in there. But at the same time, I, I have the uneasy feeling that Granny Kincaid's you know, cabin will be there a lot longer than Strange World will be in theaters. So what happened here? Well, I think it, it, it was the perfect storm of things converging, mm-hmm. Jim. Okay. But first of all, did you did you see the movie? Uh, we are heading out tomorrow to okay. see it. Uh, cheapskates going on Tuesday, I see. Well, again. what can I tell you? Well, no, it's myself and Nancy and her ladies. We have a habit now. We're, we're old people. We go to matinees. <laughs> well, I think, number one, you know, Disney has re- has trained audiences to wait. 30 days to see animated movies or to mm-hmm. not even have to wait at all, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the case of several Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, looking at the price of going to a theater and hiring a babysitter and all of that, it's 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 a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, I Strange World will 100% be on Disney Plus by Christmas, just like... Oh, certainly. Right, yeah. like in Canto. Like they said that, that was probably going to be the case and so Mm -hmm. you know there was other stuff there was black panther to watch i think they kind of cannibalized themselves Mm -hmm. um and they'll wait for for avatar to see avatar in in theaters but so i think it was that i think it is maybe one of the worst marketing campaigns disney has ever done certainly the worst since i don't know john carter probably (laughs) that just didn't sell what the movie was and and why you should see it and and also, this movie hinges around a really big twist, a third act mm-hmm. twist, and I think that that also just paralyzed them in terms of saying, like, we don't know what to do with this. We have no clue how to sell this movie around this twist. We can't give it away, obviously. And yeah, it's um, it's just kind of impossible to boil it down into something that that is e- easily digest- digestible. There's also some kind of political and, you know, LGBTQ stuff in the movie that I feel yeah. like they were worried about having to deal mm-hmm. with in the marketing materials. So mm-hmm. it was just a, it was a perfect storm. And, and what's so interesting about the low gross, right, is that it is the worst opening weekend since Treasure Planet, I believe. Right. Isn't that the stat? Yeah. But Treasure Planet went into theaters against the second Harry Potter film or was it the third and by then, I think Disney should have been aware of what was going on with Harry Potter. It was a buzzsaw. The winds were changing, Jim. The winds they were, were changing. They were. And in a way, I just, I feel bad for Don Hall. I mean, I've done my due diligence. I was reading through the making of it. He was telling the story of the, you know, sort of the idea that his two sons were outside talking with friends about climate change and how it was really going on and then their friend didn't believe them and don was looking to do you know a story in this sort of space and and when you think about you know how he partnered with with rory Connolly, who i think of as one of the braver producers at disney that whenever he you know roy tackles something whether it's hunchback of notre dame or 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 that sort of thing there's always a great-looking film that has some, some good stuff in it. But I, I've also had friends reach out to, to talk about how it seems like there was an awful lot of thought put into the world-building 
but the characters didn't seem quite as as evolved as the world. Do you buy into that at all? Or yeah, I mean, I liked the characters a lot. I don't know if they are the most well defined characters in the Disney canon. And maybe when your entire movie hinges on such a huge theme, like you're talking about this kind of environmental theme, that mm-hmm. maybe the characters are a means to an end rather than a kind of engine for the storytelling. But clearly a lot of thought went into the characters if you're going to have an openly gay, mm-hmm. you know, Disney hero, that's a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. I agree. I agree. And also, you look at things like Treasure Planet, which over time, people who came to love that movie, and just because you die at the box office doesn't mean that further on down the line, you won't be beloved. The Rocketeer is the example of that. Walt Disney himself, when he won the Gene Hirschhold Award, this was 41, I want to say. It was after Fantasia had been released to theaters and Walt came to the stage and started to weep. And he then, in, in part of his speech thanking the, the Academy for giving him, him the Gene Herschel Award, he apologized for Fantasia. Seriously, you can go read the transcript of Walt saying, you know, well, sometimes you overreach, but we're going to return to our core values. And Disney hates the idea that, you know, out there, that, that, that literally is, you know, a transcript of Walt Disney apologizing for Fantasia because it becomes that much harder to sell people Fantasia when, you know, well, even Walt himself distanced himself from, from that film when it didn't succeed. But you then add another 80 years and, and all people can talk about is, oh, Fantasia, the masterpiece. Yeah, it'll... It'll have its day, and it really should be applauded for being visually and uh, tonally very distinct, mm-hmm. particularly from the, the I would say, the last, you know, 10 years or so of Walt Disney animation. So, um, yeah, Strange World is down now, but it's not out. You know what I mean? There Jim? we go. There we go. And, and I think starting around Christmas, a lot of people are going to discover this film. And who knows? Maybe we'll see, you know, I, 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 I love that story of, of Lin-Manuel Miranda going on vacation to Puerto Rico. And while he was away, Encanto went from being in theaters to being on Disney+. Plus. And, you know, he turned off his phone and, you know, his vacation is entering, ending. You know, it's like, turned on his phone and it's like, you have 10,000 notifications. All of his friends from high school, you know, who, who reached out like, listen to my kid performing. We don't talk about Bruno. What that film became, it became because of Disney+. Plus, Not necessarily what it did theatrically, so... Let's revisit this in a month. Let's see what's what's happening with its strange world then. But the other thing I'm looking forward to getting to this week is, of course, the the brand new Light the Fuse, uh, your wonderful Mission Impossible podcast that you do with Charles Hood. So what's going on there? We are just wrapping up uh, another Maverick episode, and then uh, God knows what we'll be doing, Jim. I'm I'm so tired. Just let me let me die. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> you and me both, pal. You and me both. Okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, folks, if, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just fine-tuning, but also light the fuse, that would be helpful. Uh, also, speaking of helpful, if you could subscribe, head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool, too. 
Beyond that, Drew, are we still Twittering at this point? Yes, we are. I did. We are. We are. We're Twittering, Jim. We'll Twitter until the last the last uh you know tweet is sent but it looks it looks grimmer every time we do this check-in jim but yeah um okay so so where can folks find you on social media uh you can find me on instagram and twitter at drew tailored like a tailored shirt like tinker taylor soldier spy (laughs) can you tell what movie was coming out when i came out wow okay That, that that's that is kind of cool all right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jimmy Hill Media News. And again, I guess that that's going to do it for this week's folks. So thanks for listening and we'll be back soon.